You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Don't even welcome people to the show. I don't want you to welcome them. I don't want you to say anything other than tell us how this little speech went today that you did not even prepare for. You were in the newspaper. People had to buy tickets to this thing. Did you prep any of it? I mean, in fairness, I had no idea I was in the newspaper until quite literally during our show last night when one of my friends texted me a picture of me in the newspaper with this article attached to it that I was speaking at this event that was apparently charging $40 a head to hear me speak when they could just turn on their radio right now. ESPN Radio, they could listen to me speak for free. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I did pull off the speech. I did not use chat GPT or any oh. other type of robot in order to write my speech for me. I got off air with you last night at nine. I promptly got ready for bed, went and got into bed, wrote some bullet points down, spent probably an hour on it, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, the direction of my speech. It was supposed to be the subject matter cultivating relationships. So I had to figure <laughs> out how to make that work. I was speaking to a bunch of people who work in public relations. And so I focused on the speech with cultivating the relationship between public relations and media and then other relationships that I've cultivated in my life and how it benefited me on a professional level. It was a glorious speech. It really? would have been award-winning had anybody outside of that room heard it. Fortunately, nobody's ever going to. Okay, first off, congratulations. Once again, kids, <laughs> the message here is wait until the last moment. It won't backfire in your face at all. It's pretty much how I lived my entire academic career. Second of all, was there an ovation at the end? Were people impressed? Did they come up to you? How yes, did that play? What was the people fallout? People did come like? up to me. People, the feedback was top notch. I got a lot of very positive feedback. People seemed to enjoy it. It was not a very large event. I had spoken on a panel before at another event that this organization had. It was for. Uh, the Florida Public Relations Association. I'd spoken at another event for them, and it was a much larger event. So when I actually showed up there today, I didn't feel much pressure. That was good. I was okay with the fact that I hadn't actually uh, presented some sort of PowerPoint, which I think was part of my concern. Should I have put together something like that in the form of a presentation? It ended up being fine. And, you know, when it comes to speaking, I feel like I'm better when I don't over-prepare because I'm not, I'm somebody that's better trying to be somewhat off the cuff and conversational. If I over-prepare and spend weeks preparing for a speech, I almost feel like it bogs me down. I learned it's this. It's robotic. You'll be right, robotic. Exactly. It's robotic. It's not as natural. Obviously you and I have the advantage of talking for a living. So it's something I'm pretty comfortable doing, but I learned this young because I learned this at my brother's wedding. I was the best woman in my brother's wedding. So they went kind of an untraditional route. I stood next to my brother in his wedding. And I didn't really know. He also had a best man. So he had me and a best man on his side of the wedding. And then she had two of her best friends on her side of the wedding. And I guess I just assumed in my mind that the best man was writing the speech and that the maid of honor was writing a speech. And I, I never considered the fact that I was expected to write a speech. And I found out 
during the reception, right? Like, so I'm sitting there, we're eating dinner, and somebody says to me, are you nervous about your speech? And I'm like, huh? What speech? And I realized that they were expecting me to give a speech to the entire wedding on behalf of my brother that kind of, I guess everyone just assumed I knew that, but I was young. I mean, I'm in my early 20s, and I I just, I don't know. I, I hadn't really been to that many weddings at that point in my life, I guess. And so I sat there with a cocktail napkin and I wrote out a speech because, you know, this is before like the notes app on the iPhone. I wrote out a speech on a cocktail napkin and ended up giving my whole speech at my brother's wedding off of that. And that's when I kind of learned that for me, that's a better route to go. And and that's essentially what I did today. Do you prepare for anything? Is there anything you prepare for? Like you live in Florida, it's there's hurricanes. Do you pre- if there's a hurricane warning, do you do anything or do you just keep going along, floating in the breeze, just knowing it'll all work itself out? I go along until they kick me off my island. And that right. sounds second, like yeah. I'm kidding, but I'm not. At some point, yeah. they quite literally kick me off the island that I live on. It is a mandatory evacuation. They want you to get the heck out. And they don't allow, they shut down the bridges. There ain't no way on or off once that hurricane's coming. So yes, there is some preparedness. There's a level of preparedness that I end up being forced to do when it comes to hurricanes. Yeah, but you're still not prepared. You're actually, once again, doing nothing. (laughs) They're doing the work. They actually have to force you to leave. You're not even doing the bare minimum, which is getting in the car and evacuating. Forget about boarding everything up, packing, beating the traffic out of there. You're literally, again, waiting until the last possible minute, at which point you're just being forced to do it. You wouldn't even do it if you were being forced. I am, I've been a Floridian my entire life, still alive and kicking. We're still good to go. The house is still standing, at least for now. By the way, knocking on all the wood around me, God willing. That water is real warm out there, so we don't need any of those storms coming our way. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive make bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W. Sports. The New York Jets don't want to be on hard knocks, Joe. That's the reality of the situation. They're forced to be on hard knocks. There was only four teams in the NFL eligible for hard knocks. One of those was the New York Jets. Uh, the Commanders, the Saints, and the Bears were all teams eligible to be on hard knocks. Of those four teams, none of them wanted to do hard knocks. And in order to be on hard knocks, you have to have not made the postseason the last two years. You can't have a first-year head coach. You can't have been on hard knocks in the last decade. Or at least if you fall into any of those categories, you can decline the option. Everybody was declining the option except for the four teams that didn't have the opportunity to decline the option. The Jets end up on it. Well, they're still trying to do something about it. Even though their hand is being forced, they're saying, we're not going to play a ball. Here's our very own Adam Schefter. To get the type of access that Hard Knocks has gotten, they have to have the Jets' cooperation. And while the Jets will be professional about it, they're not going to go out of their way to help NFL Films do the best possible Hard Knocks. We're all going to watch. We're all going to be riveted because we can't wait to see how Aaron Rodgers fits in and some of these great young players like Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner and Brees Hall and how he's coming back. For... The storylines are there. All I'm saying is the Jets aren't going to do their part to enhance it any. So this is NFL Films. It's an NFL Films production. It's not an NFL Films New York Jets partnership. 
So this will either be the best season of Hard Knocks of all time or the worst season of Hard Knocks of all time. Yeah, so several points on this. Number one, stop being babies, okay? There's greater travesties in the world than camera access to your training camps, okay? It's not the end of the world. Stop being babies. I, I, my dad gave me real good advice one time. If you're going to B-word, B-word in private. Don't do it in public. Do it in private. Be a professional. All right, Schefter used the term professional. This isn't professional. The whole, we're not going to go out of our way to help you. No one's asking you to go out of your way. Just don't be babies about the whole thing. So number one, that's point number one. Number two, the NFL, it's time to change the rules on this. Everybody's got to do it. All right, everybody's got to do it. Stop with the criteria that if you make the playoffs, you're out. Or if you have a new head coach, you're out. Stop putting the teams like the Jets in a situation where they might be up for the second time in a decade and the Niners have never done it. Just make everybody do it. Everybody takes their turn. Everybody has to deal with it. That's point two. And number three, and this is back to the baby point, so maybe it's a sub point. Stop ruining it for all of us. The last thing I want to hear before I go see a band play a concert is how much they don't want to be in town or how much they don't want to play that night. People want to get jacked up about this stuff. They want to get excited. They turn it on because it's entertainment, because they want to see you. Believe it or not, Aaron Rodgers, people want to see you. They want to know what's going on. They're into it. So stop saying this stuff and salting it for everyone knowing that that we're going to go into this and you don't even want to be a part of it. The last thing you want to do if you're going to go see a musical act perform that night is hear how much they can't wait to get out of your town. That kills the entire mojo of the event. If this is coming from Aaron Rodgers, it's ludicrous because nobody loves attention more than Aaron Rodgers right. year after year, off season after off season. He wanted us to spend the entire time on the Aaron Rodgers watch. And now that that's over, that dude still loves attention in every way. He does the things he says, the things he puts himself out there in all the ways we know about Aaron Rodgers. He even has gone Hollywood at times on us as well. So him not wanting the attention is absurd. And also you don't go to the number one market in the country if you don't want the attention. Attention. Where I think this is actually coming from is Robert Sala and that coaching staff, because we had heard them say it before, before I believe Aaron Rodgers was even with that team. Robert Sala has always been very clear that he doesn't want this around his team. And I wonder why. I mean, we're talking about at this point, a very edited series. It's not like we get a ton of transparency with hard knocks. We don't get a ton of reality. It's an interesting little look, but there's a lot of editing. Come on. The NFL protects these teams. They don't really want to expose anything crazy that's going to get the Jets into trouble or anything like that so what is Salah so worried about that we see that he's a dysfunctional coach in certain ways or that he's not the one really running things I I guess I don't really understand the concern here and if your concerns that there's going to be a distraction because there's cameras in your facility we're talking again about a veteran quarterback as vet as you can get who loves the attention you're going to have the attention on you when Aaron Rodgers joins your team, regardless if it's through NFL films or through the media in that market or through anybody else, because all eyes are going to be on this team and all cameras are going to be on this team all season long. So I don't really get, frankly, the big kerfuffle over there for the New York Jets, but they certainly seem to have their panties in a bunch about this, and yet they have to appear on it. Good use of kerfuffle. Really well done in the opening segment of the show. I like that. It's got to be one of two things, right? Either A, you're afraid of being embarrassed, or B, you have some sort of like trade secrets that you don't want people figuring out. Like maybe the way you run a practice or maybe the way you run a meeting, you don't want people figuring that out. But you have so many players in that room who will be on different teams next year. That stuff would get out anyway. So it's got to be the fear of embarrassment. People coming down your road, making fun of you because of how you come off on this. I mean, 
it could also work to your advantage. People love Dan Campbell after watching the Lions last year. Right, exactly. It's one of the reasons that I think that the Lions, a lot of people overhype them, frankly, and overrate them is because they love them from what they saw on Hard Knocks. Tara is filling in tonight for James Steele. She is easily, easily the nicest producer at ESPN Radio because she just screamed in my ear, break, but then she followed it by please, which yeah. no producer, I can tell you, in the history, I think, of my radio Never. career has ever followed break with the word please. I appreciate you, Tara. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, because I am going to break, because it hit Tara asked nicely, Nick Saban's favorite type of cake raises eyebrows at SEC Media Day. We'll get into that. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Speaking of Alabama, I see what you did there, Ben. Nick Saban spoke today at SEC Media Days. We're getting all sorts of sound from all the coaches in the SEC all week long. Of course, Saban being one of the coaches that we were wanting to hear from most, Joe. And he said a thing. It wasn't so much about football that was interesting. It was more the analogy that he used to describe football. Here is the head coach of Alabama. First, uh, favorite cake. Want to know your favorite cake since you mentioned that in your opening statement? Yeah, well, um, carrot cake. That's easy. So there that's you have easy. It. That's what I got out of SEC Media Days today. With everything Saban said, he had in his opening statement compared, I think, his quarterback controversy to cake and like his grandmother baking cake or something, and it takes some time and whatever. So he makes a cake reference. So the good journalist that whoever that gentleman was that was sitting in the crowd asking Saban questions that he is, he asks Saban's favorite cake. We have learned that Nick Saban's favorite cake is carrot cake. And some people find this to be very controversial. I, for one, Joe, I love carrot cake. That doesn't surprise me (laughs) at all. Nothing says dessert like vegetables, right? Like that's what we want. Nothing says dessert like vegetables, but to his point, he's 71 years old. He looks good, and he's operating Mm -hmm. at a very high level for a 71-year-old. I will not make it to 71. I had two bags of chips before this show started. That was just my pre-show routine, and I may or may not have a couple radio beers by the time we get to the end of this thing. For Saban out there figuring out a way to look and perform the way he looks and performs at this stage of his life, if carrot cake is the key, carrot cake is something I'll be having very much of in the very near future. So carrot cake sounds not good, right? I mean, because it involves carrot. And like you said, it involves a vegetable. But carrot cake is glorious. When I lived in Lauderdale, there was a place that served 
a caramel carrot cake and it was so incredible it was so gooey like a good carrot cake is all gooey inside and good and then the cream cheese icing that's the key to the good carrot cake so carrot cake is actually phenomenal what's your favorite cake then in in the rankings of cakes and we will get to actual rank them a little bit later in the show where we rank something actually sports related this is more interesting what's joe fortenbaugh's favorite cake not a big cake guy more on the pie side than the cake side but um when I was younger in a, in Florida, apparently you people are the ones that are just <laughs> you banging people. out the cakes in extraordinary fashion. Uh, chocolate chip cheesecake, Ooh, I remember okay. having, or cheesecake with like the Oreo crust underneath it. That yeah. was always something that, that stood out to me as uh, one of the premier cakes. I just, I'm not a huge fan of cake. And before everyone's like, oh, this guy, this guy going out, on, it's not a health thing. I eat awful, okay? Absolutely awful. Cake just isn't up my alley. Pie, more of a pie guy. So I'm right there with you. I learned from this exercise because I was thinking before this segment, what are my favorite types of cake? Because I knew that we were discussing same and saying this. And I'm like, I don't really love cake if I'm really thinking about it. Like, cake ain't my thing. I'll take a You just pie. called carrot cake glorious. You okay, use the it word is glorious. glorious. It's glorious. Key lime pie is better. I will take a key lime pie over any type of cake. I guess in terms of cake, my favorite cake would be probably a flourless cake, I suppose. You know, because I love chocolate. So those really dense flourless chocolate cakes, I'd probably be on my list at the top. Those things will mess you up the first time you have them because it's like something's wrong. You take a bite, you go, something is wrong with this cake. It's like, well, there's no flour in it. Right. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I'll tell you this about Alabama, though. I will say this. Just going to throw a slight sports nugget in there and turn this show upside down. Their win total this year is 10 and a half. They lost two games last year. They were 10 and 2 in the regular season. I don't know how they're going to improve upon that this year after losing the number one pick in the draft in quarterback Bryce Young and the best defensive player in the draft in Will Anderson. They got by on razor-thin margins against Texas Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Some of those games came down to the wire. So this year is going to be a very interesting year for Nick Saban in Alabama. They've got LSU at home. They have Texas at home. A&M is on the road. That's going to be a tight spot. But I got to tell you, I don't know how that team's going to improve upon what we saw last season. Since you want to talk sports real quick, can we do a quick pizza money? Let's sure, let's go. Let's do it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. One bet last night, loser overall for the show, 153 wins, 141 defeats, two ties. We are up since January, 12.19 units. Little baseball tonight, Seattle and Minnesota. We're going to bet the game to go over seven and a half total runs. It comes down to the pitching matchup. If you're going to hang a total of seven and a half in baseball, it better be an elite pitching matchup, and it's not. Kenta Maeda is going for Minnesota. He's okay. Luis Castillo is going for Seattle. He's got a 2.96 ERA. He looks good, but there's regression on the horizon. 3.79 X ERA. Several other advanced metrics pointing to a regression coming over seven and a half runs. Seattle, Minnesota tonight. If you live in Florida, Publix birthday cake or in the Southeast now, because they aren't just Publix. in Florida. That is the jam.com when it comes to types of cake.
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part in the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. We got sound that we're going to get to from the last 24 hours that you certainly need to hear. Not just sound from Nick Saban discussing his favorite type of cake, which, by the way, has, of course, launched into a discussion on Twitter. I did tweet out my favorite types of cake. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Fortenbaugh. He is begging Chris Carlin to weigh in on the conversation. You can find me on Twitter. No, 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 not begging. Just asking. If there's someone to ask about cake... Right. Who would you go to first? You're, uh, Carlin. Carlin would certainly be the that first That guy's stop. in Costco eating all the samples, and that's not a joke. He did a <laughs> video on it, so he's the guy to go True. to. Uh, at Amber W Sports, that is how you find me. At Chris Carlin, that is how you find Carlin. So before we get to the sound, though, let's give you a little bit more betting advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Open Championship, Royal Liverpool, begins tonight around midnight, depending on where you live. East Coast, it's probably around 3 a.m., so you're going to want to get on these. These are two futures bets to make. They're half-unit wagers, half-unit. We're not going the full unit here. These are guys we're betting to win. We're going to start with Victor Hovland at 22-1. to Great price for a great golfer. Hasn't missed a cut in over a year. Finished in the top seven at the Masters and the PGA Championship. Top 20s in 13 of 20 starts this season. Top 12 in both Open Championship starts. He's one of these guys that's due, as they say. Victor Hovland at 22 to 1. We're also going to play Hideki Matsuyama at 80 to 1. He's 80 to 1 because he's not having a great season. He's not having a great season because he doesn't hit the driver very well. The thing is, you don't need to use your driver much at Royal Royal Liverpool. Excuse me. Look at the wins for Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy on this same course. They kept the driver in the bag. There's a lot of OB out of bounds on this course, so you can play conservative off the tee. And once you're off the tee, Matsuyama is as good as just about anybody in the field. So two pizza money futures. These are each half unit wagers. Victor Hovland, 22 to one. Hideki Matsuyama at 80 to one. 
They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. NBC Sports Boston's Patriots insider Tom Cran was on the Rich Eisen show on Monday. He was asked if Bill Belichick could be coaching for his job this season. You know, you talk about avoiding the hot seat. Rich, he's on the hot seat, and he's been there at different levels of warmth since 2019. Tara is filling in tonight for James Steele, the polite Tara. Who says please when she yells rap in my ear? It's very nice. So very I, classy. Please. I have a question. Can you guys please answer this? Is <laughs> Bill Belichick actually on the hot seat? Joe? I would say yes. I would say yes. I, I think if he puts together an average season, he's probably okay, given the status of the AFC East. The Jets are supposed to be formidable now that they have Aaron Rodgers. The Dolphins are the sleeper pick in the division with the addition of Vic Fangio on defense. And the Bills are the Bills. They're going to be a good football team. So if you go out there and you go 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, that's a pretty good season given what you're up against. But the thing is, in the three years since Tom Brady, it has not looked good for Belichick. He is exactly 25 and 25 in the regular season. That is the literal definition of average. He's been in the playoffs once. He was only there because they expanded to seven teams. He was the seventh seed. They got rolled by the Buffalo Bills. And in that stretch, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and immediately won a Super Bowl. So the clock is ticking. The seat is warm. But I think for him to be out after this year, it would have to be a pretty disastrous year, Amber. I just do not believe this. I understand that Robert Kraft keeps saying the things all off season. He said them now numerous places where he implies that the only thing he cares about is winning Lombardi trophies, winning championships, and that he doesn't care about personal record books. We know Bill is is chasing Don Shula for the all-time winningest coach in the NFL. Probably would take him quite a few more seasons at this point with their win rate to catch Don Shula. But we know that that's something that seems like it was important to Bill Belichick at one point in time. Robert Kraft is letting you know that ain't important to him. What Robert Kraft cares about is winning Super Bowls, and they're certainly nowhere near doing that. That's all well and good, but Bill won a whole lot of them for Robert Kraft. And so I just don't believe that this season, or frankly probably any season, but particularly this season, Robert Kraft is actually going to give Bill Belichick, who was always considered the best coach in the NFL, that he's actually going to give him the boot. Now, could I see a world in which, after a few more years, Bill gets nudged out the door gently by Robert Kraft. They come to a quote-unquote air quotes agreement that Bill is retiring. I could see that down the road. Bill's 71 years old. If it maintains the mediocrity that we've seen from the Pats, I could certainly see it heading that direction, but not yet. Not now. I just don't believe any of this. I feel like Robert Kraft is trying to put a fire under Bill Belichick's behind, and I feel like he's doing that now through this report as well. ESPN's Adam Schefter, speaking of reporting. He reported on Wednesday morning that the Cowboys six-time All-Pro guard and team captain Zach Martin is considering not reporting to training camp because of his unhappiness with his current contract and the team's lack of interest in restructuring it. Martin is scheduled to make about $7 million less this season than the NFL's top-paid guards. ESPN NFL analyst Lewis Riddick discussed what Martin's absence could mean for the Cowboys on Get Up this morning. It's huge considering the fact that Mike McCarthy has said that he wants to 
get back to establishing the run game as a vital, vital component from a, you know, from a scheme strategy and tactic standpoint. And without Zach Martin, how do you do that with a running back situation that is in a state of flux with Tony Pollard coming off of a, you know, severe lower leg injury? How do you do that? I mean, so with without a Zach Martin, especially if he sits out. So, yeah, you better make sure he's happy. You better make sure he's in camp and he's on the field week one. Is Zach Martin the most important person on the Cowboys offense other than Dak Prescott? Other than Dak Prescott. I like how you put that caveat in there because initially I was like, hell no. He's not the most important point person on the Cowboys offense. He is unbelievably important. He's important inside that locker room as well because you're talking about, of course, a team captain and you're talking about a team leader. But you're also talking about an all-pro guard, Joe. You're talking about a guy who gave up three sacks on a 96% pass block win rate the eighth best clip in the league he is certainly one of the best guards in the league they need that they need that protection for Dak they need those holes to open up for Tony Pollard they certainly need Zach Martin and his services he had his contract restructured again back in March that is the fifth straight year that the Cowboys have restructured Martin's contract it is some of those restructurings that has made Martin underpaid in terms of market value because the Cowboys have freed up salary cap space in continuously restructuring Martin's contract. It leads to him being frustrated. Apparently, the Cowboys and Martin's representatives did have brief discussions about reworking his seven-year $93.41 million deal. They didn't get anywhere. He signed that deal back in 2018. He has played nine seasons in the NFL. He has been named first-team All-Pro in seven of those seasons, excuse me, six of those seasons, two thirds of those seasons, he's been first team all pro, not pro bowl. where like the ninth best quarterback in the conference goes. Cause everybody opts out first team, all pro in six of nine seasons. He's played every single game in seven of nine seasons. He is extraordinarily important to what they want to do because if Prescott gets hurt again, it's season over. Yes, I know. Cooper Rush stepped in and won some games last year, but the Cowboys are are an organization that has to think about winning the NFC. They're not thinking about getting to the playoffs. They're not thinking about maybe making a little noise in the postseason. They're thinking about winning the NFC because the NFC is down this year. It is a thin conference. The Niners are one of the best teams, and they're a mess at quarterback right now. So the window is there. The opportunity is there. Zach Martin is a big part of that. Big part of that. So, yes, to answer your question after Prescott, he is the next most important player on that Dallas offense. Martin missed just eight games in his entire career. He's been named to the Pro Bowl eight times. He's the only guard, the only guard actually in in Cowboys history to have more Pro Bowl appearances is Larry Allen, who is a Hall of Famer. He had nine. Zach Martin is what, 33, 32, 30. How old is Zach Martin? He's, he's still got a lot of years left to play. And I understand his frustration here with what's happened around his contract, because again, it's the restructuring it's, it's at his expense that they've created all of this salary cap space to help. Martin is signed on his current deal through 2024. His cap figure next year tops 23 million. So that means 
probably another restructuring, right? <laughs> That's what keeps ends yeah. up happening to Martin with this contract. And so he's at this point at least threatening to put his foot down and threatening to not show up and make his services available to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see if it actually happens. That would, in fact, be a big loss for the Dallas Cowboys. Zach Martin is 32 years old. Coming up next here. On ESPN Radio, Avery Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh with you. We tell you the most exciting college football players to watch this fall. If your NFL team is aiming for a top draft pick, ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. is the Joe and Amber podcast. So maybe your NFL team is really bad this season. Maybe it's by design. Maybe you don't even have high expectations for your team. Maybe you're a Texans fan. And maybe you're going to be looking towards next year's draft to try to continue to rebuild your team. So you need to know who to watch this season in college football. We like to rank things here at ESPN Lady Radio. Let's get to it. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. Burrow, touchdown, what a start. Two actually has one of the prettiest balls I've ever caught in my life. To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank Them. The top five college football players you should watch because your team stinks. Number five. <laughs> That is a great, great sounder coming into that right there. Nicely done. ESPN Radio, by the way, presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Start things off for us, Joe. All right, number five, quarterback Tennessee, Joe Milton III. You might not know a lot about him because he didn't play much last season, sitting behind Hendon Hooker. But he's 22-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy this year for good reason. Scouts who have evaluated Joe Milton III are comparing him to Florida's Anthony Richardson, which means he's a bit of a project in the passing game, but he is a freakish athlete. Six foot five, 242 pounds, can run like the wind, and he's playing in a system at Tennessee that isn't really going to make you pro-ready, so to speak. It's a lot of one read, get rid of the ball, but you could put up huge numbers there. Hendon Hooker put up huge numbers last season. Tennessee was a really fun watch. Joe Milton the third, quarterback Tennessee, number five for me. Number five for me, a very different position, Kool-Aid McKinstry for the Ooh. Alabama Crimson Tide. He is the best cornerback, at least in terms of returners in the entire country, returning in terms of school. He is also one of the best returners in terms of returning a punt in the entire country. Plus, Kool-Aid has the coolest nickname 
in the entire country. So that in and of itself makes him worth watching. Kool-Aid's 18 force incompletions tied for second amongst all corners in the country last season. The sophomore also led all power five players with 332 punt return yards. He is fast. He is electric. He is somebody to watch this season. And he plays for Nick Saban. Number four. I would be careful about having the best name in college football. I've got a list of them here for you. We'll, we'll talk about them when we're done. You will love some of these names. Okay. Number four for me, North Carolina quarterback Drake May, 16-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy. 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions last year, threw for over 4,300 yards, 6'4", 225. A lot of teams tried to steal, or I should say lure, May away from North Carolina, but they came up with the NIL money and they were able to keep him in tow. North Carolina may not be great this season, but this kid is legit. Between him, Caleb Williams, and maybe a couple others, if you're looking for a quarterback in next year's draft, you are going to hear the name Drake May quite a bit between now and the end of the season. So I started with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's talk about those Georgia Bulldogs, though. Brock Bowers for the yeah. Georgia Bulldogs. He is a tight end for the Georgia Bulldogs. He is easily the top tight end in the country. He has been the top tight end in the country, I would say, through his first two seasons there with Georgia. And he's once again one of the most valuable players in the country. He was leading the position in receiving yards, in yards after the catch, in receiving yards after contact. He is the reigning John Mackey Award winner. That is the award that is given to the best tight end in the country, and he is coming into his third season there with, oh, by the way, the best team in the country, the defending champs in the Georgia Bulldogs. So Brock Bauer is certainly somebody to watch this season in college football. Number three. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive end pass rusher from Florida State, Jared Verse. Nine sacks in only 12 games last season, Six foot four, 253 pounds, athletic, freak and florida state is coming right out of the gates this season people they won 10 games last year a lot of people are talking about how tallahassee is back they opened the season neutral site game in orlando taking on Jaden daniels and the lsu tigers you will not want to miss that game i believe that might be the monday night game on opening weekend not week zero but week one but we're gonna have it at espn that game is going to be incredible keep your eyes on jared verse he could be the top defensive player selected in next year's draft as a gators fan you know it's funny because when all the teams in florida are down the gators the canes the seminoles i always say oh it'd be so much better for college football if all those teams were good and now that florida state is on that trajectory i'm terrified I, yeah. I don't like it, and I hate it. And apparently I'm full of bleep when I act like college football would be better off if the Knolls were good. I'm hoping all of these people who, like you, are saying that the Knolls are the team to watch this upcoming season are wrong. That is my only hope. That is my nightmare. But Jared Verse is amazing uh, and certainly seems like he is going to be giving my Gators a hard time. My number three is Marvin Harrison Jr. His uh, very, very famous father. His father is a Hall of Famer. Well, Marvis Harrison Jr. looks pretty good as well for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He, of course, is a wide receiver. You can argue he's the best receiver in college football, even coming off of this past season. He had the – for uh, pro football focus, had him actually as their highest graded receiver in college ball against single coverage – he had 878 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns. That did lead all FBS receivers. He is electric. He's certainly somebody to watch and seems like he's right there walking in his father's footsteps. Number two. 
Caleb Williams, quarterback USC, your defending Heisman Trophy winner, plus 550 favorite to win it again this year. Probably is the number one overall pick in the draft if he's allowed to come out last year. He was incredible. 42 touchdown passes, five interceptions. He's going to put up monster numbers again in Lincoln Riley's system. Oh, by the way, the Pac-12, we can continue to make our jokes, but this season the Pac-12 is stronger than it's been in quite some time. We're going to have some really good games out there. If that USC defense is better, they don't need to be great, but if they're better, you're going to see them in the Final Four. Caleb Williams, quarterback USC, my number two of the five guys you want to watch if your team stinks this season. I do feel like I hear that about the Pac-12 every year, uh, but maybe, maybe this year. A little bit better, a little bit deeper. You know what's wild about this list is we have no crossover yet, which I don't think has ever happened on one of these rankings. So it's a big deal right now. There's obviously a lot of talent in college football and a lot of players to watch. So far, you and I have very, very different lists. At number two, I have Blake Corum from Michigan, the running back. Again, I'm going with a guy who is returning, who we saw last year be the best running back in the country. 96 combined rushing first downs and touchdowns was second in the entire country. That was just behind Abraham, who received 72 more carries than Quorum did last season. Mo Ibrahim from Minnesota. They yes, run the ball like crazy. He would run it like crazy. He had so many more carries, so... Quorum was just right behind him in terms of numbers. He's on the short list of favorites to win the Heisman Trophy this season, and he is a running back. So certainly somebody to watch in college football once again this season. Number one. Amber already mentioned him. Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver, Ohio State, 18-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy, 1,200 receiving yards last year, 14 touchdowns. This guy is as smooth as poured water. You can put him on the outside. You can put him in the slot. He absolutely lives up to the name. Watch him this year. He is going to be as exciting as it comes. The best wide receiver room in the country by a mile is at Ohio State. They've got players all over the field, led by Marvin Harrison. My number one, we finally have our crossover here, is Caleb Williams from the USC Trojans. It's the first time, other than Marvin Harrison, who you have as your number one. I had Marvin Harrison as number three on my list. So I guess it's the second time that we have the crossover. You had Caleb Williams as number two. I have Caleb Williams as number one. We know, of course, Heisman Trophy winner. We all know a ton about Caleb Williams. It shouldn't look worse this season, Joe. In fact, it should look better this season. Like you just mentioned, we're talking about a guy who is the early favorite to be the number one pick in the 2024 draft coming up next. Plenty more here on ESPN Radio. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.